Uh, our scripture for today is from Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. Um, and the title today is Be Reconciled. So remember that once you were Gentiles by physical descent, who were called uncircumcised by Jews who are physically circumcised. At that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens rather than citizens of Israel and strangers to the covenant of God's promise. In this world, you had no hope and no God. But now, thanks to Christ Jesus, you who were once so far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ is our peace. He made both Jews and Gentiles into one group with his body. He broke down the barrier of hatred that divided us. He canceled the detailed rules of the law so that he could create uh, one new person out of two groups making peace. He reconciled them both as one body to God by the cross, which ended the hostility to God. When he came, he announced the good news of peace to you who were far away from God and to those who were near. We both have access to the Father through Christ by one spirit. So now you are no longer strangers and aliens, rather you are fellow citizens with God's people and you belong to God's household. As God's household, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building is joined in him, and it grows up into a temple that is dedicated to the Lord. Christ is building you into a place where God lives through his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, even as we, Allison, was uh, doing the Station 10 reflection, that passage itself where Christ is saying to Peter, do you love me, do you love me three times, is a picture of reconciliation. Um, reconciliation, if you remember, Peter denies Christ three times. And again, there's a rhythm of three as Christ asks the question three times, and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And oftentimes, when we think about reconciliation or forgiveness or things like that, you know, it's on a very shallow or simple level or kind of like, let's get through this, let's get you know what's between us out of the way so we can move on, right? Uh, that's how I am in my relationships sometimes. Uh, I'm really quick, especially with Janice, to want to say sorry and have her say you're forgiven and things to be okay, right? But we all know that it doesn't happen the moment just because I say sorry, you know, those bad feelings or kind of the tension or the hostility between us is over, right? No, that there, there needs to be more because reconciliation and forgiveness is not simply words, forgive me, you are forgiven, right? That's a part of it, but reconciliation is a process, amen? It's a process of restoring a relationship. It's a process that may take time. It's a process that takes into account uh, the full context of those relationships, of what's really going on, things that may be uh, patterns of interacting or patterns of hurt that have been happening, which you can't just solve with one phrase, I'm sorry. 
and then you're forgiven. There's, there's more. And so when we see Jesus saying to Peter, do you love me, right? It's almost as if he's pushing in, pushing in, pushing in more. Until Peter's like even upset, like, you know I love you. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And so um, reconciliation is one of the parts of what it means to be renewed. And for the sake of our, our sermon series, what does it mean to live in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What are the implications of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? When Jesus died on the cross and was raised after three days, what does that mean for us? What did that mean for the world? And one of the uh, major things is we were reconciled. And this is what we see in Ephesians 2. We were reconciled. Before I get into that, I wanted to talk about the three R's of renew. Is that the next slide? Yes. The three R's of renew. You know, when we were planting renew, all the people were like, you need a fancy three alliteration, you know, statement to put, you know, put on your uh, T-shirt. So I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I need some three. Renews an R, so we'll, we'll choose R. And I was like, oh, reconciliation. That's a good one. Restoration. And the third one, we were always like, what do we say? What do we say? Relationships? Uh, I don't know. Relevance. Relevance. Um, uh, but these are the three R's of renew, reconciliation, reconciliation restoration and relevance and they all I feel like fall under the umbrella of renewal right what it means to be renewed as people um, renewed with one another uh, for, uh, to take part and participate in God's renewal of all creation and you know everything is bending towards restoration and renewal right like with the fall sin entered into the world and things got broken and there is entropy right but why does jesus's death and resurrection matter when the winds of life blew into dry bones and the trajectory of human history was redirected towards restoration that was at jesus's resurrection this is our christian hope amen that through those sin is in the world wreaking havoc, creating division, though things fall apart and, ent and entropy tears the fabric of love and connection. Though there's mourning in the night, death will not win. Death will not win. Creation will be renewed. The great family reunion is in the works. God is preparing the banquet table. Even now, every tear will be wiped away from our eyes and joy comes in the morning because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, amen? So let's look at uh, uh, Ephesians 2, our passage. Um, I'll uh, talk about the chapter as a whole structurally. Um, but we are focusing on reconciliation, what it means to be reconciled and to be ministers of reconciliation, ambassadors, ambassadors of reconciliation. Um, 
But you, when you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, the first half, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, which is before the passage that I read, deals with the vertical relationship between God and humanity. There you go. Um, nice changing of the slides. Um, <laughs> praise God, amen. <laughs> Usually the people are back there are trying to follow me like, oh my God, what is he doing next? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, the vertical relationship between God and humanity. In verse 1, if you uh, read in Ephesians 2, verse 1, you were once dead. We were once dead because of the things we did wrong and because of our offenses against God. But then there's the great but, right? The butt of Ephesians, the butt in scripture. But God, we were dead, but God in his rich mercy brought us to life. Life with Christ while we were dead in our sin. Just as Jesus was brought to life from death, we were brought to life from our sin because we were dead. And now we are alive. That is the beauty of the resurrection and the power of Christ's victory over death. He did this because of the great love that he had for us. We are saved by God's grace. What a gift. What a gift. And I know sometimes I take those gifts for granted. Oh, God, I'm saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. He saved me from my sins. Um, but then there are other times in my life when I feel that so deeply because I'm aware of my own shortcomings, my own rebellion, my own kind of hurting of people in my life, um, this um, rebelling against what God wants in my life, and I'm on my knees, and I experience that grace so deeply. How many of you have experienced that grace in your life so deeply that while, while we were yet dead, while we were dead, right, and sinners, God forgave us. That is the gift of the resurrection. Then we head to Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22, the second part, and Paul begins to focus on the horizontal relationships. So we're reconciled to God in the first part, and then now he's talking about specifically the relationship between Jewish and Gentile Christians um, and the, the relationship with one another. He addresses the horizontal relationship um, and says, because Christ is risen, because of the resurrection, he has broken down the barriers and brought unity between the two groups worshiping the same God. Right, and he goes into talking about you who are uncircumcised versus those who are of the circumcision. Um, there's this ethno-cultural separation that even though Gentiles were coming into the faith, into the way, you know, there was an aspect where uh, the Jewish Christians were like, oh my gosh, they're coming, they're following Jesus. Don't they need to adopt some of our customs, our cultures? They need to begin to take on what we value, right? Whether it's diet, whether it's circumcision was a big issue then. 
they need to kind of do these things to be in. And so Paul, who was an apostle to the Gentiles, right, begins to address this specifically. The outside versus the inside. Aliens versus citizens. Strangers of the promise versus people of the promise. And so he's laying this out like there's this enmity, there's this wall, there's this hostility, not just among you, but it's, there's a history of it, right? He's doing some critical race theory, right? <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't be too controversial. <laughs> he's bringing some history into it, right? And addressing this wall of hostility and says, but now, you who are far have been brought near because of Christ. Because of Christ and because of the resurrection, true reconciliation can happen, right? That's what it's about, people. If we're about this with God, right, it's not just this, you and God, you and God, you and God. It, it, it should and, and includes you with one another, your neighbor. We can't talk about our relationship with God without dealing with our relationship with our neighbors. Amen? They're, they're one and the same thing. You can't separate those two. Even though we try hard in the church, right? right? It's my relationship with God, my uh, personal relationship with God, my personal devotion with God. It's between me and God, right? But you can't follow Jesus by yourself in isolation on an island. We follow Jesus and we are in community, in the church, a part of the body, and we're out there, right, loving on, working with, fighting with, right, our neighbors in the world, vertical and horizontal, vertical and horizontal. So what is this enmity or what is this Jew-Gentile thing all about. So when you remember uh, the week before Easter, Palm Sunday, when Jesus entered Jerusalem um, as the donkey king, his first and royal decree to, uh, was to enter the temple, right? The crowds are cheering him. Here comes Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna. Then he enters the temple uh, of Jerusalem and starts to ravage it, right? Tear it apart. Turn over tables, throw money all over. People are like, what, 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 what? And remember, he says, my father's house will be a house of prayer for all nations. What is he talking about? And what is he talking about when he talks about this dividing wall of hostility and breaking down the walls? But let's, let's take a deeper look into that. So this is uh, the temple, a simplified kind of diagram of the temple in Jesus's day. And as you can see, there's walls that separate, kind of, you move inward, right? It's like uh, enters a dragon. You know, you're, you're facing like a, a harder and harder boss. But for them, it's like a holier, holier. As you inter go into the center, you're moving holier, holier, and holier until you're, you know, in the priest court and the holy of holies. Um, and if you notice, well, who's on the outside? So on the outside, there's the court of the Gentiles. And then you have uh, 
the inner courts and and then the court of the Jews or the court of Israel, but that's distinct, like what's distinguished from that is the court of the women. So really it's court of men and then court of women are more outside and then you have the priests. And um, this stone that you see here is called the Sorig stone and they've you know uncovered uh, these from uh, the temple. But they were placed, uh, I'll just point it out, so if this is the court of the Gentiles, they are placed, you know, at the entrances as like cornerstones or warning stones um, uh, to the inner courts, and they were warnings, right? And the warnings, uh, that inscription there is translated, no foreigner is to go beyond the balustrade and the plaza of the temple zone. Whoever's caught doing so will have himself to blame for his death, which will surely follow. Wow. And you have to remember that during Passover, again, the population of Jerusalem would swell because people are making their pilgrimage, right? From all the surrounding countries, all the surrounding places. And many were Gentiles, right? Not Jewish people, but who were God-fearers, who worshiped Yahweh and would come to bring their sacrifices, make their pilgrimage during Passover. And do you know when Jesus entered the temple and overturned all the tables, where he was when he did that? Where he was was the court of the Gentiles because those money changers and the people who were selling things were set up in the court of the Gentiles uh, to sell uh, sacrificial animals um, to Gentiles um, that they needed, but they would charge. It'd be like twenty ninety nine for a pound of chicken, right? <laughs> like, you want a dove, you pay this much. And then the money changers would exchange like Greek and Roman currency for the temple currency, but just the exchange rate was horrible. It was exploitative. And, um, and actually... Uh, the temple would collect so much money, it, it essentially became a bank, right, with all this money that they had gotten from the exchange, uh, currency exchanges, uh, and they would lend to the poor in the city and uh, would charge, right, inexorbitant amount of interest. And so that, that could be insurmountable, like it would just make someone in debt for the rest of their life. And so there was a lot of exploitation of the poor. There was also kind of obstacles and boundaries and hindrances from foreigners to come and freely worship Yahweh, right? And that's why Jesus was so fired up. That's why he was righteously angry, right? Like, you have made my father's house which is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations, right? Ethne, right? Ethnos, uh, ethne is the plural of ethnos. That comes from, it sounds like ethnicity, right? It means people, tribe, but also it's used in the New Testament for Gentiles, right? Anyone outside of the nation of Israel. So nation, tribes, tongues, and also Gentiles, 
but it, Paul never uses that word ethnos or ethne in a negative pejorative sense, right? It's, man, I am an apostle to the ethne, right? The Gentiles. And when you read like in Revelations, every tribe, tongue, and nation, ethnos, will come and worship me. That's, that's the world. That's the nations of the world, the cultures of the world, the ethnicities, the tribes of the world will come and worship me. That's God's plan. That's God's intention, right? I'm not just a father or a parent to you, but all of the world's nations, all of the people are my children, right? And I welcome everyone to come to me. I welcome everyone to come to my table. At my table, there's all kinds of food, not just one food. There's there's one-star food for those of you who can't handle spice, but there's four-star food for those of you who like it spicy. I got it all for you. You like Tabasco? I have Tabasco. You like Sriracha? I got Sriracha. Not the fake Costco stuff, but the real original Sriracha. I have it. I have it. And so this is what Paul is pointing out is, oh my gosh, you remember Jesus died and he rose again and then we experienced the Holy Spirit and the church blew up? That isn't just for the inside people, the Jewish people. It's also for all these people who are being drawn in from the outside, the other tribes, the other tongues, the other nations, right? And he's kind of affirming that. Like, you're no, you're, you're citizens. That's kind of the state language, right? The political language. He's also saying, you're adopted. You're in the family of God. You're in, you're together. So stop this. Whatever it is that we do to say you're outside of us. You're different than us. You're of a different tribe. You don't have it right, so you can't come into this place and be right. Whatever that is, God erased that. When you follow, when Jesus died on the cross, he reconciled all people to God and is reconciling, wanting all people to reconcile with one another because we are all God's children, amen? Be reconciled. Be reconciled. Our passage is building on uh, what Christ has done and invites the Gentiles into claiming their adoption to God's household. And it suggests that they are being built up as God's actual living temple. So uh, between verses 19 through 22, there are six words that have, that share the root of oikot, right? Not, not a Greek yogurt. The next slide. Well, it probably comes from household. Um, oikos, the root, means household. So you'll have words like oikoneo. Uh, I didn't practice my Greek reading. But they're oikodom, dome, and they all share, there's six of them that share the root for household. 
And that Greco-Roman stru uh, structure, household, is really important. There's, a, there's kind of an analogy, a, a connection being drawn. You have the household of Caesar, right? The patriarch. The households were based on uh, the patriarch, and then it'd be a, there'd be a hierarchical structure. And so Caesar was the head patriarch of the household of Rome, of the empire, and then the man in his own home was the patriarch of the household, and everything kind of followed this hierarchy and followed, that was the order. You know, you, you follow this order and everything will be okay. But Paul is contrasting that household with the household of Jesus. He's subversively highlighting an alternative truth that God is the true Lord of the household. Not Caesar, right? Not the president, not money, not men. And security and identity flow from adoption in him, not from the institutions made by human hands. Those who are displaced are no longer aliens. And the passage points to the idea that God has created a new humanity. He has gathered to himself a new people, a new people. Um, to become a blessing to all nations. God's vision for humanity has not changed. What he's done has, he's done since the beginning from the foundations of the earth. We are the ones who've lost the vision, right? Christ has made a new way for God's glory and presence to go out to all nations. He's breaking down the walls and swinging wide open the doors to the inner sanctuary. A new humanity made free through adoption into God's family will become carriers of God's presence. We are his holy temple. The image is not of kind of stone and bricks being built up, but the people actually being, we are the stones being built up into God's holy temple. It gives that very organic, human, relational connection. It's by our relationships and our connections that God's temple is being built up. Are you with me, church? What? <laughs> that didn't sound. Um, I think there is a challenge uh, for our Christian communities and churches um, as a means of application. What are the ways that we hinder instead of encourage people not like us to draw near to God? How do we tribalize um, even church or uh, kind of what's righteous? How do we tribalize that based on our own traditions, or our own preferences, or what gives us security and identity on a fleshly level, right? What kind of household are we building here? Is it Pastor Dave's household? Is it our leadership's household? Is it household of Renew? Or is it the household of God?
Are we reflecting the household of God? Um, I think we're being challenged uh, to be intentional about participating in Christ's breaking down of the walls of hostility, right? The human barriers. And we are in a time where this is very vivid, right? right? The division among people, whether that's of in racial lines, economic lines, political lines, we are divided and we've gotten used to, right, just kind of being safe in our echo chambers or being safe where we're with people like us who think like us, who have the same algorithms as us, right? The algorithm, the social media algorithms has, have parsed us out. And it's more comfortable to avoid, either avoid or like not listen and throw arguments at one another, right? Or demonize the other. And it's difficult. I do it all the time. I'd rather avoid, I'd rather demonize than and then actually have dialogue or relationship with people who think differently than me, come from a different background, worship differently than I do. It's difficult, it's hard. But if anyone is gonna do it, it's Christ's church, amen? If anyone, Christ is our peace. That is what it means to live into the resurrection, is that we're a people who are reconciled to God and we're people, because of the power of Jesus Christ, that are able to be reconciled with one another. We are the ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation. This is what it means, right? This is a core, uh, a core tenet, core value of Renew, to be reconciled, right? What does that look like? It can look like having short accounts, right? Short accounts means if you feel like there's tension or someone's wronged you or you've wronged someone, you are quick, you are quick to reconcile. You don't let that simmer or you don't brush that under the rug. But we're saying, man, this thing isn't right. And I, I need to go to that person and speak. It also means that we're smart with it. We know that conflict and tension isn't just between individuals. We know that there's systemic conflict. There's systemic walls of hostility. And this is a harder one because if it's systemic, no one, you can't say, oh, no one person can be like, oh yeah, that's my fault, right? You can easily kind of separate yourself from that. But it takes a lot of insight and openness and willingness to be humble, to kind of recognize systemic barriers of hostility um, that make people inside and outside, make people righteous or not righteous, right? Systemic things. So we, as a church, are called to go into the broken places, to see the walls of hostility, and to uplift, right, to champion, um, to empower to take sledgehammers and go, this is wrong, boom, 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 right? Because that's what Jesus would do. He would overturn stuff. Are you with me, church? Yes. Um, 
more of our churches and communities need to pursue multi-ethnicity and stretch, stretch across social class. Those in the dominant culture need to move out of the mentality of you need to come to us and realize that the others too are being called to build a new culture and you too are being called into a new culture, not this culture or this culture, but we all are letting go of things to come into this new humanity with God, right? And it's gonna, it might be uncomfortable, right? And that might be painful, but also there are new gifts. There are amazing gifts, right? There are amazing gifts uh, in a diverse multicultural setting. Right, to sit at the feet and learn and receive from someone that you wouldn't necessarily hang out with unless, unless it was because of Jesus, right? That's what should be in our churches, or that's what our churches should be doing out there, is stretching ourselves, right? Breaking down walls of hostility, right? Going across cross-cultural lines, because that's what Jesus did. And I'm not talking about a politic, you know, in politically correct ways, or let's put all the, <laughs> the diverse people on our posters and social media, right? Woo, we're diverse. But really getting into it, right? Getting, and you can't get into it until, unless you're becoming friends, right? We need to be friends and have relationships with one another. And you can't build friendships and relationships unless you invest, right? Unless you take a step in and take risks. Eat some food that smells a little weird to you. That, you know, that's a metaphor. You know, yeah, right. Right, listen to music. Worship to music that is on a different beat or with different instruments, right? Sit around scripture and interpret communally scripture and hear from how other voices and experiences are reading that passage and being moved by that passage, right? That are different than us. It'll open your eyes. I never thought of it that way. I never saw that. Um, let's be the people of the reconciliation and be a part of Jesus' work of bringing people together under one family banner. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. May we be reconciled and be reconcilers and bridge builders, not out of our own power, our own plans or vision, but because of you, because of who you are and what you've done to break down the walls. We only need to follow you. Um, give us the courage to take that small step, the next step. Give us ears to hear, amen.